0: This is The Relevant Podcast.
1: It's Friday, August 28, 2020, and it's The Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello! From Austin, Texas, author and podcaster Jamie Ivy. Hey, guys! You have a new book coming out. Oh, thank you. Yes, I do. Hmm. Tell us about that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul Derek Miner.
2: Everything is fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, he's got yeah, that
2: background. Oh, that's great. Every, everything's fine. There's nothing everything's
1: wrong. Everything's fine, everybody. Uh, Calm we'll, down.
2: A, a couple
1: of housekeeping notes on this one. <laughs> this, is a, this is a shift. You're going to notice a shift. Uh, you know, for the last couple of years, uh, we were doing two podcasts a week, Tuesday and Friday, right? And then this spring, we decided quarantine, just too much, too much going on. Let's go back to one show. The problem is those shows started to be two hours long so <laughs> starting today we're Long-winded going Derek we are going back to two <laughs> shows of the relevant podcast each week on Friday and Tuesday uh hopefully both will be about an hour long versus one two hour show so uh today's the first of that new era so welcome welcome to the future everyone
3: can, can I can I the future isn't unbelievable. I'm so glad we're here this because so I'm not going to lie. Bright. The past has kind of sucked lately. and <laughs> Everything yeah, was wow. this, this is the end. hard
1: reset right now. This
3: is when we just pretend that that but we just pretend that the <laughs> pandemic is over and we just start living our lives again. Like the people on Instagram. Are you guys seeing this? I feel like I'm. this is something I've seen a lot lately. It's pictures of people hanging out at like, you know, a, a outdoor cafe or people are hanging at like at a, at a get together or people are all at the beach or somewhere and they're like oh such a great socially distance hang this weekend so glad don't worry mask we had our mask and it's like you liars you're not socially distance hanging you're just hanging and i'm not judging i'm just saying don't put in there your socially distance you got your arm around all your friends right there that is that <laughs> i saw and i'm not gonna throw this person under the bus but it was a prominent person in our world on instagram jerry I'm followed just, you yeah. Is something going on with arm yeah, I'm around. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, it's, it, it, well, exactly. It's like, but it's posts like that, that aren't at weird, uh, uh, problematic yacht parties, yacht parties <laughs> uh, but where normal people are hanging, but they're putting in the caption, like, don't worry, this is my bubble hang. It's like, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. This, this is not a bubble hang. That's just people coming over your house. You can't have people over your house and call it a bubble hang. It's just a hang. And I'm fine with people hanging, but do will call it a bubble hang. If it ain't a bubble hang, you know what I mean? I, <laughs> that, that, that bubbles people coming in and out. It's how bubbles work. It's a misunderstanding of bubbles. Again, I'm not judging. I've had a lot of people over, but
4: I'm not <laughs> But on, you're not but saying not, that you're socially I'm distancing. Not acting, I'm not
3: acting like I'm not just hanging with people. You know, my problem isn't hanging. My problem is, Joe, don't, don't fool us. Let's, we all know what's happening here. Have you guys well, seen
4: this? Well, I think it's weird because I think there's some shame around it. Like, there's so many things that I am doing with my. Not that I need to share everything in my life online by any means, but, but you there's do. some. No, no, I don't because. <laughs> of covid there's a lot like i had a girls night last night so we were all sitting around the hot tub that hot tub is not six some six some it's not that big but you know i wouldn't normally share that my point is i think that if people they feel like they're going to get shamed if they're hanging out, so y'all out.
2: were just boiling the COVID into each other, is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, all that y'all chlorine, just...
4: guys, we're good, we're good. <laughs> I
2: think
1: I think hot tubs are sanitary. I think that I think that's COVID free. They, they no, nothing nothing can.
3: Li- hey guys, nothing can live in a hot tub. Nothing. Hey, I'm gonna keep it. The I'm not getting tub.
2: in a hot tub with <laughs> nobody but myself. I will tell you, I do miss
1: the hot tub hot takes, Jesse. You know, when we could actually hang yeah. out, get in, the, you know, hang on the hot tub, just kind of shoot the breeze. That was some good podcasting material. I know, I know, that. because
3: everyone, the, here's the thing about Hot tubs. everyone gets loose. Sometimes a little too loose, but everyone's going to get loose.
2: And when you're loose, <laughs> it's you kind of let it rip a little. So I, I'm the only person on this podcast that is not weirded out by public pools and public... Oh, no, I'm not going to no public This is my friend's house. house. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's no, like... This is, Still though, like there's not even chlor. Is there chlorine in hot tubs? Yeah. Or- oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Are you worded out t- t- before COVID or because of COVID? Period. Just okay. in general, like I'm just like man, I haven't been in a public pool. I mean, we discussed of the sort in a while. We
1: discussed this last year, but it is factually proven that chlorine does not. Kill urine. Listen, I no to, that
4: can't be hey, true. That's absolutely yeah. true. Oh, Listen, yeah, I, it I is. have, I have
3: a. There was one summer where I was a lifeguard at a community pool. It was only five feet deep. It was really just to make sure people didn't bring glass bottles by the pool, which they violated all the time and looked at me dead in the eye. And they said, "I live here. I pay your salary, lifeguard." Now shut up. They would literally talk to me like that. And I was responsible. I was responsible for the chemicals. And I'll say this, guys, it's all over the map depending on who's. Run in that pool because <laughs> full days would go by where I forgot to do anything regarding chemicals.
1: And oh man, see, <laughs> see, there was a lot of checks and balances
3: it. with that pool association. So, what happened Bro. to
1: like back in the 80s? I remember I, a friend of mine had this in their pool, they had a chemical in their pool that would react with urine and would turn it blue. Like, like, like. So, if a little you kid, you saw
4: that happen, or it was just what they told you? Because I've heard people say that to make you I not. I saw pee. it
1: happen at a friend's house to one of my friends, and it's- I'm like. And we all jumped out of the pool. That, that is what happened to that chemical. <laughs> it may, that would solve it's it all. Public shaming. It's public, shaming. That's what I'm it's public like, like shaming. I don't agree with public shaming,
3: <laughs> even, if do, <laughs> even if it has to do. it has to do with urine in the pool. But it's shaming is shaming, in my book. You let he who is without uh, <laughs> bladder problems cast the first stone. Okay, so
4: Derek. The, the, oh, sorry. I took my kids to a, a like a a water park this weekend. Oh no.
3: Like,
4: right. oh, no, 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 no. It's a, do, Would you get in the Lazy River and roll? No, and no, no, no. No, <laughs> the, no, no, no. <laughs> you went to the
3: Lazy
2: River during no. COVID? No, no, Listen, no, no, no,
4: no, no, no The I'll water park you. is open <laughs> and the children hey. need something to do.
2: And we're Texas, outside Texas and there's is the chlorine. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> Listen, I'll tell y'all now, when the zombie apocalypse happens at this rate in 2020, I'm going to get Jamie first. <laughs> Jamie, 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 like she's doing everything. She's like... Hot tub time machine. She's like, yo, let's go get tattoos. Look, look but here's what I <laughs> appreciate. I'm faithfully yeah. wearing
4: my mask. And
1: when we go to restaurants, we wait, wait, wait. All You're the in list. the lazy river wearing a mask. I don't know. No, believe you don't have that. to wear a mask. <laughs> uh, lazy but river, here's the thing, Jamie. At least you're G's honest. Right,
3: <laughs> yeah. Jesse.
4: I'm and honest. I posted a you know, link,
3: and, and I'm not going to reveal who this person is, but it's an example that I even saw like today of it's, someone saying, oh, you know, posting a hang, but they preface it in the like, oh, it's COVID safe. It's like, no, 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 just, just, uh, just leave that part out. Okay. Like you're, you're hanging and that's fine. okay well, everybody
1: Everybody's just like too stir crazy. They're trying to get back to normal and you know, it's just, they can't take it anymore. All right. Well, moving the show along, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, author, speaker, and pastor Sarah Jakes Roberts joins us. Uh, we talked to her about taking care of yourself while being stuck at home. And uh, how she's still investing in community, uh, even during quarantine. I don't think she's wearing jeans she to the lake to the water and parks? going to the lazy river with her friends. <laughs> but it's a good stuff. It's mm. a good stuff. I mean, I'm not judging. Oh, I think it's awesome you went to a lazy river. You. I think
3: uh, <laughs> I hope you're wearing some kind of wetsuit that was. She got in her, hand she got a really
1: weird rash, but you know, other than that it was it was safe. But all right. <laughs> we'll move the show along. Stay tuned up next. It'll be the hot list. Oh boy. It's gonna be a wild one this week. You're listening to Kainalu. The song is always silver. Well, today's show is brought to you by Convoy of Hope. Uh, life has changed the last several months, you could say. Businesses have shut their doors. Millions of people have lost their jobs. And no one really knows when life will return to normal unless you live in the Jamie Ivy household. In which we go to water parks, if we feel like it. I respect but it, But often, Jamie. in the midst of despair, hope flourishes. And while the situation may feel bleak, hope is being delivered across the nation. Convoy of Hope is doing everything it can to help people during this crisis. This is crazy. At the beginning of the COVID pandemic, their team embarked on a mission to provide 10 million meals to people in desperate need. But to date they've delivered more than 100 million meals to those hardest hit by the pandemic. If you'd like to support their ongoing mission to deliver help to those who need it most, visit convoyofhope.org slash relevant. Whether it's a share on social media, a prayer or a financial gift, they're grateful for any help you can send their way. Check it out. It's convoyofhope.org relevant. All right, it's time for our weekly look at what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. It's time for...
0: It's the, hardest, the hard- it's
1: sizzling. Oh boy. And this week it's especially hot. Uh, please welcome to the show relevant senior editor Tyler Huckabee. Uh, hey, Tyler. Hey, everybody. So, hey, anything going on this week? Mm. No. Not the name. Doug no. <laughs> <dad> and Doug. <laughs> and I could just couldn't find it. <laughs> just just a slow, slow week at the intersection. Mm. Of mm.
5: Sometimes yeah. you cover the news. Sometimes you got to make news to mm. yeah. just to have something to, to <laughs>
3: say on here. Yeah, this is a dog, um, bite, dog bites man week, you know.
5: It's just <laughs> <you're> not <laughs>
3: fine, that interesting story man, out there. Man
1: bites dog, right? Well, no, that's you know what I'm what saying. It. This week was actually a
3: dog bites man. There was no interesting man biting dog. Like oh, We gotcha, just had gotcha, to go gotcha. with mm. the,
1: the least newsworthy,
3: so. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, nothing big, you know. Especially with like there, large there evangelical was, there
5: institutions. Was, uh, one quick, th- and I've and I would be remiss if we didn't.
1: <laughs> right, this is the truth. There are two major stories, obviously that we're covering. It relevant a lot this week. Uh, one of them not so fun. Oh no, neither of them are fun. Neither of them are good so things. This isn't a light, fun release week. This is like there's two big things we need to talk about. So yeah. take it away, Tyler.
5: Yeah, so the first thing we're gonna do we got we got to dive right in here to this beat, uh, which we've kind of covered. We've covered the play by play for a couple months now, and it's important that we get into what happened uh, with Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, on the first part of this week, which is obviously a, a very uncomfortable story, not super easy to talk about, but it is uh, it it's a. I'd say a fittingly strange end to what's been a very strange career for this man as the president, the former president of Liberty University. So on Monday, Reuters published some very explosive allegations from a former business partner of Jerry Falwell Jr. that detailed a years long sexual affair involving Falwell and his wife, Becky Falwell. Uh, The one time president of Liberty was on indefinite leave at the time for a separate scandal involving that bizarre Instagram post that we've covered at length. He denied the report. He told the Washington Examiner that his wife had the affair without his knowledge or or without his knowledge or involvement. But this former business associate, a guy named Juan Carlo Granda, provided Reuters with screenshots and recorded audio that prove his story that this was sort of a, let's say, a throuple. Situation, eh? an mm-hmm. affair that involved uh, both Jerry, his wife Becky, and uh, this young man, Juan Carlo. And uh I think probably most people are if you're online at all this was this story was on the New York Times it was in the Washington post it was on the a p It was obviously a, we covered it irrelevant. It was a very big story and and the evidence that this young man had is very uh it, it, if it it's either some very good audio cutting or or he's really got the receipts here he came prepared. Um, That kicked off a really complicated couple of hours during which numerous sources at the school's board first confirmed that Falwell had tendered his resignation, but then evidently later on, on Monday, Falwell withdrew his resignation. Then he told Wall Street Journal that he had re-resigned for real this time. And by this time, the board was in full agreement. They, in fact, released a pretty lengthy statement that said Falwell's return would be, quote, not in the best interests of the university which is uh, all things considered pretty extraordinary. Uh, those are sort of the broad. There's a lot of little things to get into, and, and there continues to be reports coming out about just how deep uh, and far this affair and and potential other allegations that Juan yeah. made against Falwell are going. He, late on Tuesday night, Uh, called Falwell a predator, alleging that he also had some uh, some sensitive photos of Liberty students at his barn. Those that is not confirmed. That is just him saying that right now. But obviously, that would warrant a very serious investigation, uh, potentially from the police as well.
1: And and to be fair, on Wednesday and, and we're recording this episode on Wednesday and, you know, obviously by Friday. More evidence or things may be For said sure. or done, but on on wednesday uh, uh Becky Falwell uh spoke to people and said that you know unequivocally they're they're denying the accusations by uh, the, the, um, the, the pool boy <laughs> and saying that, that the affair had nothing to do with, uh, Jerry. And, and then Jerry said a quote to the AP said, that's the only reason I resigned because I don't want something my wife did to harm the school I spent my whole life building. I never broke a single rule that applies to staff members at Liberty, which I was. So I want everyone to know that. So they are, they are unequivocally denying, um, the accusations. And like you said, Tyler, you know, Reuters on Sunday, Uh, alluded to the fact that they saw and they're reporting evidence and they heard evidence. And some of that evidence has actually come out this week and we've heard it. And uh, like you said, um, it's kind of tough to uh, fully believe the, um, the uh, denial, you know what I mean? After hearing and seeing what has been leaking on the internet. Now that said, we're not here for salaciousness. We're not here to gloat or bash anybody. Uh, We are just, can you reporting what we talked about a few weeks ago of this seems odd. And then this story has continued. And so now, you know, we hope internally, and we've said just in our own meetings at the office, like we hope this is the last time we have to report on this, um, hit the, the details of, uh, Falwell's severance package came out this week. He's going to get $10 million to walk away. Um, and hopefully this is the end of it. And there aren't more people and more victims or more participants coming out. If there are, I, I, we're not, we're not TMZ. We're not trying to like keep the beat. We just feel like this, we just had to acknowledge it because a lot happened in the last few days. So,
3: it, you know. it, I mean, the, the other thing too is, man, the church, I say that, you know, the big C church, all Christians need to take accusations of people using positions of power to manipulate other people, particularly people of less power that in a lot of cases are younger and, and don't have the money and resources or, or positions of authority or, you know, some of the credibility that some of these leaders have in order to defend themselves from predatory actions by people in power. It's, it, that to me is, you know, it's, it's sickening that it keeps happening, you know, like, so, yeah, some of the circumstances and details are different, but a lot of times the, the gist of these things are the same. That accountability structures fail, and people in positions of uh, you know professional authority, but also spiritual authority, can manipulate people into um, predatory sexual relationships, and that that is a big big problem. And I mean, not just in the church. I mean, we, you you've seen it kind of throughout the Me Too movement, but y- you know, the church is supposed to be a safe place, supposed to be sanctuary, and it, right. and it's it's it just. Ridiculous that this is, you know, one of the major legacies of modern evangelicalism is the propensity for its leaders to prey on its flock.
1: I I, I want to say one thing. There was there was a report when when the news broke on Monday this past week. Uh, there was a report on NPR that you know I mean I, I literally got in the car going down to the grocery store and NPR was talking mm-hmm. about this and um, the reporter had interviewed the reporter who was reporting it kind of covers the intersection of politics and evangelicalism. Uh, She was at the RNC and she brought a context into it that I hadn't heard before. She had interviewed Falwell back in 2016. And one of the questions she asked him was, how do you as an evangelical conservative evangelical leader uh, kind of marry your kind of unbridled support for Donald Trump uh, with Your conservative moral convictions and that this is a man who uh, has had multiple divorces and is, you know, very publicly and admittedly, you know, paid hush money to affairs and things like that. How do you stand next to him? The summary of what he said was this. Every Christian leader uh, lives like that. If you publicly have not been caught or if you publicly have not had that told about you, it's just that you haven't been caught yet. But we're no, what does that mean? He said, but we're no different than Donald Trump. And so I think he was trying to make the point that we're all fallen. We're all broken individuals. But if you hear it in light of what we know now, he literally said, we're all living a double life. We just have to hide it and haven't been caught yet where Donald Trump doesn't have to hide it. That's what he literally told NPR. And I'm like, it was shocking. My jaw was on the floor when I heard this on Monday. Uh, And this was like from three years ago, four years ago.
4: I mean, I, I, okay, sorry.
1: No, and I'm, I'm saying like, that's the thing that blew my mind. Is that true? Is that how Christian leaders view themselves? That like, I have built myself a kingdom. I'm untouchable. I'm going to live however I want. And they have no spiritual conviction anymore. Because that's not the not that's okay. not my reality. You no. know what I mean? I don't know that. That's no. crazy. Why would he say something like that?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think there is this, like, all of us, are bro- we're sinners, right? Like, that we live in a fallen world. We're all going to make bad choices. And I've seen a handful of people recently say like, Hey, before you bash on somebody who's fallen publicly, just remember we're all like one step away. Right. And while I actually do agree like that, like we're all capable sure. of the worst thing. I really do believe that, but there's more at play here than, Oh, this man made a poor choice and had an affair. There mm-hmm. is like layers upon layers upon layers of no accountability, power, power, preying on people who have less power than you. That stuff going on for that amount of time is not where we step back and be like, well, we're all sinners. You know, this just happens. No, this is not just happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It wasn't like somebody walked in and caught him having a porn addiction and now he's publicly shamed. Right. It's like, this was like years and years of cover up and double life. A
4: lot, Yes.
1: The double life thing uh is the thing that actually bothers me the most it's just like and again we have grace christ forgave us 100%. and we have to extend that forgiveness but it's like the lack of remorse the lack of repentance the defensiveness and the lack of accountability is like well i guess there is accountability because he was like
2: oh but i just i, I just can't wrap my head around it you but know that's what I mean? for me it's not even those those things are important but to me, that's secondary to the level of uh, judgment that comes from a lot of leaders in this way. Like, so, you know, you the same guys that say, if you don't vote for Donald Trump, you're going to hell. At the same time, how can you say that my vote will send me to hell, but at the same time, I can live a double life where my wife and I are having this, Kind of relationship with this pool boy, and then that's okay. Like, how? Yeah, I don't I don't I don't understand how a vote like John MacArthur literally said if you vote for a Democrat, you're going to hell. How? But what but now when it comes to you know crazy sexual exploits, that it's like, oh, we gotta remember our grace, people like here's the thing i'm not advocating for let's not remember our grace like i'm saying let's live in that right as opposed to i get to i get to point my finger at people for things i don't agree with but then when it comes to me now i gotta start quoting all the scriptures about turn the other cheat and grace that's hypocritical i think it's the
1: hypocrisy thing that bothers me the most i have this strong like justice side to me that like Like, you know, there's right and there's wrong. You know what I mean? And we all fall short. Mm -hmm. We all fall short every day sometimes, you know, but like, but the reality is, is the the hypocrisy of selective enforcement of like moral authority or spiritual authority. Like, I just like, I just can't wrap my head around what you're talking about, Derek. Like, that's the thing that I can't rectify is the mindset. When you lay your head on your pillow at night, the double life hypocrisy thing where you're standing on stage saying one thing and living another. Mm-hmm. And then when you're exposed, it's not like I was living a double life and I was trapped and I didn't know how to get out of it. And now I feel like, you know, thankful, you know, like it's almost like the truth sets you free. It's a, almost a defensiveness of like, how dare you judge me? Yeah. You know? And yeah. it's Yo, like, what? Well, he, and, and, he literally
2: <laughs> said, I feel like Dr. Martin Luther King, which first of all, mm-hmm. whew, bruh, Come on, fam. Like, my, bro, no. Like, you, you don't definitely don't feel like Dr. Martin Luther King because you know you haven't been the biggest advocate for the rights of black people. But my man is just like, I feel like Dr. Martin Luther King and free at last, free at last. Not free at last. I got caught and now I can get help right. and and live a different lifestyle and right. it's free at last because now I can get the stupid liberty stuff off my back. And yep. and now so I don't exactly. have to. It's like yo, bro. Like yeah. in my mind, I, I'm it's like sitting he said. Here,
1: he said I don't have to shop. pretend anymore. Like I'm free. I'm going to go into business. Bye. I mean, he literally was just like. Unremorseful. Yeah. Mm. And we are, we, we, irrelevant, and I, I've said this before, but, and I, but
5: it comes up whenever we talk about this. So I want to do, I want to stress it again. We, the relevant podcast is a pro forgiveness podcast. We believe in For grace. Sure. And yeah. forgiveness is freely offered from God. And if Jerry Falwell Jr. were to seek forgiveness against the victims of these alleged things that have these, of these allegations, if he were to seek forgiveness, I would imagine that's a conversation many of them would be willing to entertain as his uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. But he's not doing that, right? Yeah. He is well, that, he is not that is not a that is not a process that he wants from people right now. So I absolutely I believe in grace and absolutely I don't believe that. People's mistakes should ruin their lives forever, and should be the thing that defines them. That that's not a that's not a thing that I believe, and it's certainly not a Christian attitude. But right. you do have to seek uh, redemption. You do have to go out of your you have to be intentional about seeking that. He's not doing that. It's the hypocrisy. On a, on
2: hypocrisy. a, on a much is. much
1: much minor level, nine months ago, I went through a public you know exposure of something where I, my my own character was off. I was a toxic leader, and I was. Uh, insensitive. And it's like, I had two ways to respond to that. You know what I mean? I could, I could be defensive or whatever, or I could just say, you know what, humbly, I want to be better. Right. And we went through a long process, a long process of accountability and counseling and, and just going through it, man. And like, this is like a sliver. I mean, I'm just like a sliver of what he's his position and whatever. And it's just like, I can't imagine responding the way that I've seen from some of these Christian leaders where it's just like, Y'all, you got to forgive me. I'm going to live however I feel like, or, or y'all are wrong. You know, it's yeah. like, no, like hold it. We got to hold ourselves to a higher standard here. You know, like yeah. we all have blind spots. And when our blind spots are exposed, whether publicly or privately, it's like, we need to choose humility and teachability in those moments. Mm-hmm. And, then, and it's like, please model that. Please yeah. model the gospel. Please Christian leaders model what, we're advocating for here. You know, you're going to make mistakes, but then respond right. You know? And yep. it's like, that's the thing that bothers me so much is this hypocrisy and defensive defensiveness and denial. And like, dude, we have the receipts. They're on, they're out there. Like just yep. own it and be broken. And I, you know what? Your board would have probably restored you if you had gone through the process. And he's just like, now nah, I'm going to go make a lot of money in business. But, then, do it. but then that
2: answers the question, Right that everyone has been asking which is how could an evangelical leader like support Trump in this way it's because they're of like mind and mm. like spirit you see what I'm saying like that it answers the question because the response is the same type of response it it answers the question it's they're of like mind and like spirit so that's my that's my thing is is I guess with and we'll go around a circle in this, but it's the hypocrisy. Like, don't sit up here and tell these kids that if they if they're 21, you know, if they're 21 and they have a drink and you find out about it, you're going to kick them out of school or or if they're, you know, they're hugged up with their girlfriend or say they had a, a, you know, a college relationship and did whatever don't tell the kick these kids and make them lose their whole life. They don't, yeah. you know, some of these kids are coming, they're getting student loans, their, their only mm-hmm. hope is their scholarship or whatever as far as education is concerned and you'll kick these kids off the campus now you, you're you like whatever you know I'm a millionaire I'm gonna get 10 million for leaving what did the kids that got kicked off of campus for drinking what did they get for yeah. leaving?
4: A fine mm-hmm. well, we so had, what, yeah, yeah they got fines they right? owed money but, yeah. and,
2: and, and student loan debt like that's all they got and that's the, that's the issue here it's the hypocrisy that powerful <laughs> people have it, My friend, I'll, I'll leave it with this. My friend prop says, he said, I found that people that are the most legalistic have the most to hide. And I tend to agree hey, man, with that. The I, most, I agree. tend to the agree most, with that. Hey, history
1: is showing the most yep. homophobic faith leaders kind of comes out later that maybe yep. they were struggling with homosexuality. Yep. And absolutely. the people who are the most, yeah, absolutely, man. The most legalistic are usually, that's tough. That's a tough yeah, well, reality. When you look at kind of like the, the Christian <laughs> space in America, you know, like the the most vocal, angry Christian leaders, you know, kind of knowing what we know, it's just, it makes you skeptical. The, the, you know? the one it's other what point. what
2: Christ says. Who's the person that, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jesse. No, you're I'll good, go man. It, it's the last part. I'm sorry. But it's what Christ says. He says, who, he, he says, there's two people. One was uh, forgiven. Let's just say ten dollars and the other one was forgiven ten million dollars who's gonna be the most grace graceful who's gonna be the one that's the that's the most uh that's the most thankful and it's the person that was forgiven of much mm-hmm. and i think that a lot of times we forget how much we've been forgiven i'm sorry jesse no I didn't no, need to no cut you off
3: no yeah. i i i think everything you guys said is awesome i think the one other element that a lot of christians have to the, the conversation that needs to happen too is i got into it i got into a pretty heated conversation recently you know i've seen uh you you know, firsthand in situations in my own life, what the toll that, you know, leaders who sexually prey on people who have less power than them, you know, the kind of devastation that can wreak. And, you know, someone, you know, I was kind of talking about some frustrations that I see within the church in that realm. And someone said, Hey, you got to be careful not to judge. And it's like, Judging is is based on assumptions, right? Mm. I get it. We're not we're not supposed to judge. We're not supposed to assume things about people, but I am supposed to use discernment, right? We're supposed mm-hmm. to be, you know, what, uh, gentle as lambs, but wise as serpents. Like mm-hmm. we're out here acting, turning a blind eye to stuff because we don't want to judge. It's not a judgment at this point. It, there, there, there is evidence of wrongdoing, and we're using discernment to understand what the consequences should be. Restoration is secondary to protection of victims. Like, yes, I'm mm-hmm. for restoration of uh, of of people in leadership positions who have made different mistakes, but in in a case, especially when you're dealing with someone who's being uh, accused of being a sex predator by a victim, by someone who is Mm -hmm. young, at that point, priority number one is let's protect and make sure there's no more victims, right? Because that's not a judgment of Jerry Falwell. That is a discernment of what we've seen happen. And there is a difference between judging and using discernment. And I, I, I think that's an important distinction that a lot of Christians need to understand, but also, uh, you know, figure out what that means in their own lives when when they're dealing with situations where, uh, you know, there are people, it's not even just people in leadership, it's people that are in, who are victimizing others, discern how to protect. And then, you know, kind of what the consequences are. That's not judgment. That's not me violating Jesus telling me, because I'm not making an assumption
1: here. I'm observing what's happened, you know?
4: Yeah. Yeah. I know we have to move on. Last thing, has President Trump, mentioned anything about this?
1: No, it's our, it was the RNC week. Uh, okay. This well, week, so. my
4: thing is, I heard recently that he was the first evangelical leader to, leader to come out in 2016 to support President Trump. That's and right. So well, yeah, my it's, question it's, now is... It started is,
1: back in 2012. I mean, okay. in fact, in these reports, one of the trips that was made with the pool boy was to go visit Trump. There's photos of that trip. In 2012 as Trump was starting very early in the process. So my question
4: would be, how is this going to affect the election coming up with evangelical, especially suburban women? Zero? Zero
1: Zero percent. Zero percent change. And in fact, NPR asked that same question of this reporter at the RNC. Do we think that this is going to be a precursor of like, oh, well, if Falwell was in bed incorrectly? No, they support Trump because of the reasons they support Trump and the people who don't. this You know, Jerry Falwell's actions won't change that. You know what I mean? So... All right. There's a lot more meat on that bone, a lot more reporting that has taken place. If you want to follow along, like I said, we're not TMZ. We're trying to limit our coverage, but when substantive updates are required, you can find them at relevantmagazine.com. All right, Tyler, what else you got? Yeah. The other thing
5: I do want to talk about, and it's important to know that this is happening. We, we are recording this on Wednesday, so this is another fast-moving situation. But do want to take a moment to talk about the horrible situation in Kenosha, Wisconsin right now uh, with this young man, Jacob Blake, who was filmed being shot in the back seven times by police officers as he was attempting to get into, looked like he was attempting to get into his vehicle where, according to his attorney, his three young sons were sitting waiting for him Uh Ben Crump, the attorney representing him, said that uh, Mr. Blake had shown up at the scene of, a, of a, some sort of fight between uh, two women that he had attempted to break up that fight. Police showed up for some reason. That's not entirely clear yet. Uh, and then there was a brief confrontation. And then they shot him in the back uh, for uh, reasons that are just absolutely Unclear isn't quite the right word here. they, seven they, shot, times. This man, they shot this man in the back. Seven hey, times. Do you want to know why
1: people justify it? Go read the comments under our post at yeah, uh, no uh, Instagram. It's horrible, it's horrible. The justification people are taking yeah. that, like, oh, he's guilty, so therefore he gets to get shot seven times in the back. I mean, come on. Yeah, come on. this is not a. At this point, uh, his condition he he survived, which is uh,
5: getting shot seven times is a, is a miracle in and of itself. Uh, at this point, he is paralyzed from the waist down, according to his family. Uh, uh, they are saying it will be a miracle if he ever walks again. This has uh, resulted in another round of protests in Kenosha. Uh, on Tuesday night, uh, two people were actually killed in these protests, and a third was seriously wounded. Not totally clear exactly how that happened yet, but it may have something to do with some uh, sort of citizen, some some potentially white nationalist-connected citizen vigilantes who have showed up to try to to in their words, protect private property, but obviously also in an attempt to show the protesters uh, who they think is boss in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, those are the facts. Of the story as we understand them right now. Uh, it, th- this conversation is just so hard to have again, uh, but we don't but we don't see change. So it keeps happening. And uh,
1: now obviously the response, because we haven't seen change and because people are so sick and fed up. Like the response, the protests have been more, I would say, elevated than previous pro- protests. And it's just and, and one of the, the most defining uh, kind of metaphors for this that I saw was when protesters burned to the ground the Kenosha Corrections compound. OK, burned mm. it to the ground. There was one wall left standing and somebody spray painted on there. Will you listen to us now? Mm. Black Lives Matter. And it's like, and, and that's the thing about protest is like, it, it it's like when, when systemic change won't happen, when people, when, when the power structure won't listen, it's like the voice of the people, it gets louder and louder and louder. And it's like, will you listen now? You know, that's the thing that's going on in Kenosha this week that I think is different than two months ago.
2: The um, most ahead, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the most terrifying thing about this to me is the. Aftermath of the like during the protest, the his name is so I'm reading Kyle Rittenhouse of Antioch, Illinois. He's not from Wisconsin, he's from Antioch, Illinois, uh, is the guy who who shot the people. And they just, uh, oh, they arrested him, uh, as of this recording, and he'll be charged with first degree intentional homicide. So, but that's, I mean, that's what's more terrifying than the actual act because i mean just being black like this this it, it's clear like this is just gonna be what it is unfortunately unless you know something else changes but then now it's not just the escalations of police shootings but now the escalations of what's happening afterwards you got you yeah. guys coming from out of town with ar-15s yeah. And shooting people and, and shooting just, the protesters. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, crazy. It's, it,
1: it's almost like this is inciting a, a civil war again, where people who hate African Americans are coming to confront the African Americans who are crying for justice. And it's just like and 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 that confrontation is turning violent, and it's like it seems like the stakes are getting higher and higher as time passes, and it's like. Just praying, praying right now,
2: and quite, and quite honestly, how I feel. And then uh, I'm sorry, Jamie. I'll I'll let you uh, hop in, but how I feel is it's hard because in most of these videos, like I think the kid, the kids that got shot was were white kids, so it almost feels as if you know the message of Black Lives Mattering is starting to get kind of taken to the back burner, and there's all these different is not necessarily the message being put to the back burner, but it's just so co- convoluted now because you got the far left versus the far right that doesn't really have much to do with black people and police. Like, it's kind of crazy. But then at the same time, like, we kind of get blamed for that. You know what I mean? Like, we get blamed for it. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's getting, it's getting scary, like, for real. It like, is getting scary.
4: Yeah, I'm sure it is. I saw this. Um, I guess I saw it maybe Sunday. Well, I don't know whenever it happened. I saw it. It happened at like five o'clock. I saw it happen that night. And it just it it affects me as a mom to black children. And so I know that there are so many people who are listening that also are in the same shoes as Derek and I parenting. And um, I was really sad yesterday. I mean, I was just really sad about it. And I, I just want to give a little I don't want to call this a soapbox. But I just want to give all of you listeners a little just like. Here's a friendly, your friend Jamie helping you out a little bit that when someone puts on their social media, I'm really sad about this today. Like I I, I put a post up like I'm just sad. I'm sad that this man got shot. I'm sad that his children saw it. I'm sad that this keeps happening. I'm really sad. You know what you don't do to someone is you don't come back at them and be like, well, you don't know all the facts yet. So quit spreading lies. Or you don't come back with, well, why don't you talk about black on black crime? Or you don't come back with, with, you know what, you're talking about this is perpetuating the problem. That's just my little, hey, here's how to be a nice Christian friend to people is that when they're saying they're sad about something that's happened, you don't need to come in and say, well, what about this? Someone sent me a message and said, "You know, can you, I see you talk about this sad, but can you talk about this? I said, no, not today. I can't because I'm sad today that another black man was shot at the hands of a man in power. And so that's my little PSA anyone else can add anything to it but that made me mad mm. Mm.
1: again we're <laughs> continuing to cover this story over at relevant magazine.com and hopefully I mean this isn't a story that'll keep having to be covered you know hopefully change can happen but alright well that'll do it for don't play the clip <laughs> don't play the jingle that'll do it for the hot list thanks Tyler mm, thanks guys all right, stay tuned. Up next, Sarah Jakes Roberts Joy
0: so me.
1: You're listening to Lecrae featuring John Legend. The song is Drown. Well, today's show is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Is something preventing you from true happiness or achieving your goals or keeping you from experiencing peace? With the heaviness of all that's happening in our world, it can be difficult to find purpose and joy. And that's why. There's BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. You can start communicating in under 24 hours and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. To top it all off, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So check that out if you're in that industry. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a relevant podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com/slash relevant. Join over one million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp h e l p dot com slash relevant. Well, Sarah Jakes Roberts is an author, speaker, uh, founder of Women Evolve, and co-pastor of the Potter's House LA with her husband. While she's the daughter of a living legacy, T.D. Jakes, Sarah is leading a legacy of her own. Our very own Tyler Huckabee sat down with her this week to talk about her future, taking care of yourself spiritually and emotionally in quarantine, and how she's still investing in community during the pandemic. Here's part of our conversation with Sarah Jakes Roberts.
5: The Get- Sarah, my first question for you is uh, something I've been asking pretty much everybody that I've talked to over the past couple of months, which is just, how are you doing?
0: Everyone's normal has just been completely upended, and so we have found that our greatest strength and strategy in this season is to stop grieving for what used to be and to start assessing what is now, and literally that means each present moment, and so we wake up each day and we're like, you know, give us this day our daily bread, give us what we need for today, the grace we need, the patience we need, the peace that we need for today. And then we wake up the next day and do that again.
5: It sounds like you're doing a pretty good job of, uh, of finding things to be grateful for in the midst of all of this. Is that kind of hard to do?
0: I have found that gratitude isn't necessarily in a moment that is as big as what we're facing, but rather the collective small things that lead us to that moment. So little things like being able to, I mean, not little things, but things that we maybe take for granted, like waking up in the morning morning to have a roof over our head. There are still many things that are functioning in our life and the culmination of all of those things generally outweigh that enormous issue that is still there, still powerful, but it's also um, counteracted by what is working well.
5: I'm glad that you and your family have been able to work through this as well as you have, but obviously a lot of people aren't doing very well right now. And I'm wondering what message you have for people who... Uh, When they're honest with themselves, maybe honest with their friends and family, uh, they, they could admit they're not doing well with this. They're really struggling right now. What's your advice?
0: I want you to take it very seriously. I don't want you to wait and wait for the moment to pass, but to really see yourself as valuable enough to enact what is necessary. There's lots of therapy that you can do online now. Therapists have transitioned their practices to being able to do it online so that you have connection and support there. Getting plugged in. We've got small groups at our church, small groups that are for people all over the world, getting connected with other people. When you give yourself permission to be human, you allow other people to serve you in the ways that you need it the Sometimes we want God to intervene and God intervenes through people.
5: I know the book isn't going to come out for uh, a little bit now, but what can you tell me about it? Tell me about your new book.
0: Uh, I was studying Eve and and I was praying with God about Eve and, and God really revealed to me how Eve and all of her brokenness and all of her maybe mistakes that God still had a place for her in his divine plan. And so when we throw away Eve, we throw away the promise of Jesus. For me, it's about reconciling the cost of womanhood and recognizing that when it's all reconciled, that that finished product is God's grace and anointing when we surrender our lives over to Him. So it's really like a step-by-step manual of meeting any woman where she is, but also challenging and pushing her to move into that next dimension of who God always knew she could be, even when she maybe had an Eve moment.
5: I know your upcoming book is uh, is uh, full of. Great advice for women, I'm sure. And I'm uh, glad that you're writing that. But I'm curious, and this is something I love to ask the women that I get to talk to. Do you have any advice for men in the church? What's something that you wish the men in your life understood a little bit better?
0: i do i one of the things that i have seen over and over again is a lot of time i've seen you know men in leadership positions kind of talk to women about like how they're supposed to act and how they're supposed to be showing up and i think it has created so much pressure on women to act and perform a certain way but i feel like we see less accountability when it comes to men talking to men about how they're supposed to show up and what i'm afraid of happening is that we're going to have women who commit to growing and evolving and challenging themselves and making hard decisions to produce greater glory, but we're going to have men who have never had to have that challenge and then become better in the process. And we're, um, my fear is that we're going to continue to raise up women, but that we're going to leave men to stay the same. And so I think for men in leadership to balance those messages that we often direct to women with having conversations that really challenge men as well so that we can continue to be equally yoked.
5: Hopefully, someday all this is going to be over and we're going to move on to a new era as a world, as a country, and as a church. What do you hope is next for the church after this? What do you hope the church looks like in the next era following the season we're in right now?
0: My greatest hope is that when we come out of this pandemic, that we will realize that at the end of the day, what matters more than our sanctuaries or our mega churches or our productions and singers and lights and LED screens is the anointing. That at the end of the day, that it is our anointing that will break the yoke. And I really feel like we have to spend more time awakening people, not just to being mesmerized by our anointing, but activating their own anointings. I think that what we were able to do in response to the pandemic is to really teach each and every person how powerful the role they play is in stopping the spread of the virus and I think that same thing can be related to us as kingdom kids right the responsibility that each of us have in taking up space for the kingdom so that we can continue to, to spread the good news of Jesus and to stop the spread of racism and darkness and oppression and hatred and I feel like when we empower other people to do that that it is our anointing that is Being spread.
1: That was Sarah Jakes Roberts. Make sure to check out more of that convo over at relevantmagazine.com. You're listening to Lainey. Song is you. Well, many thanks to Sarah Jakes Roberts for joining us. Uh, You can follow Sarah on Instagram at Sarah Jakes Roberts. Also, uh, like like I mentioned during the hot list, uh, for more of the coverage on the Liberty situation and also uh, the protests and ongoing story in Kenosha um, of Jacob Blake, uh, please follow us at relevantmagazine.com. Tyler's covering it there every day. Okay, well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang.
2: I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. And I'm an angry black man. All right. Hey, go for it. (laughs) We will see you
1: on Tuesday, everyone. Have a great weekend.
0: Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, check out our Relevant Podcast Network, featuring shows like Relevant Daily, Signs of Life, Unedited, and many more launching throughout the year.
3: Nothing can live in a hot tub. Nothing.
4: Relevant Podcast Network.
3: Everybody
2: in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it